0: Lord Jesus, we do recognise that uh, these gifts are just a small token of uh, our, our love for you and our gratitude for all that you've done for us. We realise that whatever we give you it wouldn't be enough to say how grateful we are. And we do recognise that everything is about you, whether it's the Bible, whether it's about what we do here, whether it's about the, what these gifts represent, whether it's about your word, which we're going to look at in a moment. And we pray that all that we do will be done to your praise and glory. Amen. Great, so we are going to uh, spend some time looking at that passage, which uh, we had read for us earlier, so I'd be very grateful if you could uh, have it open. It's um, page 1141 in the New Testament section, Romans uh, chapter 14. And from verse uh, 13... Uh, I wonder if you can imagine with me two uh, fictional Holy Trinity members. Let me introduce them to you. Uh, So Harold has been a member for over 60 years. Uh, He's been a church warden for many of those years. He's been a communion assistant. He's been the treasurer. Uh, He's done pretty much every job you can imagine going at Holy Trinity Church. Uh, Never once in all his time at Holy Trinity, never once has he ever come to worship, Sunday worship, Without wearing a jacket and tie. It's just not done. Coming to worship Almighty God, you should jolly well show some respect. Let me introduce you to a second uh, fictional Holy Trinity member. Uh, let me introduce Harvey to you. Harvey is a student up at UEA. Uh, he loves coming to Holy Trinity, uh, he just loves the people, it's great fun, he likes the Bible teaching, uh, he loves serving wherever he can, can, can do uh, at, uh, at church. Uh, he's never worn a tie in his life, as far as he can remember, doesn't even know us a tie, one doesn't really care about that. Uh, he sees absolutely nothing wrong in turning up wearing flip-flops and shorts, if that's the, the, the weather, doesn't matter what you're wearing, Jesus is your friend, we've got open access through the cross. What does it matter? Well, let's say on one Sunday, uh, Harvey is asked by the office to fill in and lead the prayers at the 1115 service. Uh, Guess what he turns up wearing? Yep, you've guessed it. It's his usual uh, flip-flops and shorts. Uh, And you can imagine uh, what uh, Harold has to say about that. Well, I wonder what you would say to Harold and Harvey. I wonder which one you'd side with. Do you think you should side with uh, Harold? Uh, we've come to worship Almighty God. Show some jolly well respect. So you know, the young uns need to scrub up a bit more. Or would you side with Harvey? It doesn't matter what you wear. I don't know. Uh, over the last two weeks, if you've been uh, with us in the evenings, at Trinity, you'll know that we've been looking at this uh, extended passage uh, from Romans in uh, Romans chapter 14. Uh, and the Apostle Paul is dealing with, a, with another secondary issue. Uh, just as whether we wear a tie or not to church is a, definitely a secondary issue, he's dealing with another secondary issue emerging in the church family in Rome. Uh, they're dividing over whether they still need to keep uh, the Jewish Holy Days and the Jewish food laws. Uh, some of them uh, are from a Jewish background uh, and believe that they do, even though they're Christians, even though they know the freedom that Jesus Christ has brought them. Uh, others are, uh, are saying, nope, don't worry about it, you don't need to do that, just come on lighten up guys, uh, get with the program. The problem is that they're dividing over it, they're pulling apart, they're dividing over these secondary issues and their disagreements are threatening to undo all the good work that God has been doing in them by his Holy Spirit through the gospel. Well, you'll know that if you've been with us over the last few weeks, uh, Paul's big message that runs all the way through this chapter is that they are to accept one another, to welcome one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And you can see it in uh, verse 1 of chapter 14. That's the kind of headline statement verse uh, for the whole chapter. Uh, they're to welcome one another as brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus, uh, under his lordship, and they to not pass judgment on these non-essentials that they're disagreeing on. It's pulling them apart. And as we kind of come to the end of this chapter, the last section, uh, Paul turns his attention particularly to those stronger Christians who know that there's freedom in the gospel. Uh, they're secure in their gospel freedom, and they're encouraging other Christians uh, to, uh, to sit lighter to those uh, issues uh, that they, uh, they, they are holding to. Uh, it's not an easy passage at all. You probably got that sense as we had it read. But it seems to me that there are three principles that Paul outlines here uh, for us uh, and for the Roman Christians as they're seeking to live together as a church community. Uh, the first one I find in verses 13 through to uh, 18, and it's this Don't cause others to stumble. Don't cause others to stumble. Uh, If you weren't here last week or you can't remember, uh, verse 13 is essentially a summary of what we looked at last week. Uh, Paul says, Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. Uh, We're to stop passing judgment on each other. We're to let God do the judging instead. We saw last week, if you were with us, uh, that one day all of us will appear before Christ's judgment seat. He's the judge. Uh, You and I are not. But Paul goes further than that, doesn't he? He doesn't say just stop judging. He says that those who are strong in the faith are not to cause other weaker brothers or sisters to stumble in their faith. Uh, Paul's own views on this issue are very clear, because he tells us uh, this, doesn't he, in verse 14. He says, as one who's in the Lord Jesus, I'm a Christian, just like you guys, I'm fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. Uh, Paul knows it doesn't really matter what food they eat in Rome or any of us who eat. It doesn't matter if we're in uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the food laws that these weaker Christians are struggling with have all been fulfilled in the Gospel. We can eat prawns. We can eat bacon. It doesn't matter. Jesus Christ died. The law has been fulfilled. And yet, even though he takes that view himself... Uh, he doesn't want to do anything that might hurt another Christian's tender conscience. Uh, he goes on, doesn't he, verse 14. Uh, but if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it is unclean. Uh, if another Christian thinks that that's not okay, if that, that food is, uh, you shouldn't be eating that, then, then that's fine. Okay, it's unclean for them. It becomes effectively unclean. Above everything else, he says... He wants to act in love, verse 15. Uh, "If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, then you are no longer acting in love." Uh, we're called," he says, to consider other Christians, other brothers and sisters in our church family, uh, before ourselves, and we're to strive to love them by not causing them uh, unnecessary distress. Or well, maybe we're sitting there thinking, well why is Paul making such a fuss about this? It seems pretty clear, and frankly, in the day, does it really matter? It's just a few bits of food. It's just a few Christians getting a bit, having some hurt feelings over things. What does it really matter? Well, as we carry on, Paul explains that, yes, it really does matter. He's not making a mountain out of a molehill. Because he tells us that careless behaviour by Christians can lead those weaker Christians away from Christ, and they could fall away altogether. He says, doesn't he, in the end of um, verse 15, do not by your eating destroy your brother for whom Christ died. They could be destroyed. Uh, As they see other believers following a path that they think is sinful, uh, they could look at that and become so confused, so disheartened by uh, what these brothers and sisters are doing, so confused over what the gospel teaches and what the Bible says, that they just go, well, give up. I'm going to give up following Jesus altogether. What a terrible situation! Those precious brothers and sisters, for whom Paul says here, reminds us that these are the ones for whom Christ died, could end up giving up altogether on the Lord Jesus Christ because of some callous words, some callous deeds. But well, what should we do instead? Uh, Paul tells us, doesn't he? He says, instead of destroying others, uh, we are to pursue the priorities of the kingdom of God. Verse 17. Uh, The kingdom of God, he says, is not a matter of eating or drinking, but we are to pursue righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Uh, We saw last week, didn't we, that if we're Christians, then Jesus is our Lord. He's the boss. And therefore his priorities should be our priorities. Uh, We should be pursuing what he wants, not pursuing uh, what we want. And Paul says that when we do that, we will both please God, our Heavenly Father, and also stand out to others as selfless servants of the Lord Jesus. We will be commending the gospel to others because they will see what an effect the gospel has on our hearts. Uh, All of us are selfish, all of us want to do our own thing. But when the gospel is at work, it makes a difference in the body of Christ. You can see, can't you? Uh, Paul explains, verse 18, anyone who serves Christ in this way, i.e. by uh, putting aside these issues of eating and drinking, secondary issues, anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved of uh, by men. Uh, we will both be blessed and be a blessing. Uh, my guess is that most of us this evening, if we were asked, would, would, would hate to think that we were causing another brother or sister to stumble. Yeah, yet I think it's very, very easy to do. Perhaps a lot more easy than we, we think about it, we think. Uh, I, I was thinking back this week, and I was thinking of a friend of mine, a good friend of mine who was a, a Christian with me in the Christian Union at university. Uh, and for various reasons, he thought that it was wrong for Christians to drink alcohol. I think he had a long history in his family of alcohol abuse, uh, a lot of issues. He'd seen alcohol ruin people's lives. Uh, and uh, he had a very strong conviction about it. And yet, as I think about it, I can barely remember a time when we didn't have a meet, meet, meet together in a pub or a bar. And I never once did I stop to think that, that might have been causing him trouble. Never once. It never even crossed my mind. I just thought he could, buy, he could have a lemonade or something like that. Uh, it's really quite selfish, actually, to be honest, I think. Uh, Instead of only thinking about ourselves, really, I think uh, me and my other Christian friends in Christian Union, we really should have been thinking of his needs and doing our best to avoid causing him to stumble. Because really, that's the pattern that Jesus set for us, isn't it? Remember, Jesus, as he went to the cross, he was thinking of us, not of his own rights. He could have uh, turned away from the path that was set before him. He freely gave up his rights as the Son of God uh, for you and for me that we might have the benefit of his precious death. I guess all of us, I think, could probably st- do with pausing, considering whether we, our, our behaviour, our words, our deeds might be causing other Christians to stumble. Maybe it's playing sports on Sundays. That's always a contentious issue, isn't it? When I was growing up, uh, my parents would never let us play sports on a Sunday. And yet there are other Christians who, who feel that that's, that's quite okay, not a problem. I think it's a secondary issue. I don't think the Bible says one way or the other. Uh, Maybe it's uh, drinking alcohol, just as I was sort of talking about with my friends. Uh, Whatever it is, let's think hard about, are we causing others to stumble? If we are, uh, we should be abstaining, shouldn't we, Uh, for their sake uh, and ours. Uh, That's the first principle, don't cause others to stumble. Uh, The second principle is build each other up. And I find that in verses 19 through to 21. We are to build each other up. Uh, Instead of destroying one another... Paul says that we are to do the very opposite. We're to build uh, one another up. Uh, Paul says, verse 19, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. We are to go hard after everything that will help promote peace uh, in our church family, everything that will help us grow more like Jesus and be built up in him. Uh, if you were here last week, you'll know that uh, we saw Paul kind of uh, adapting a very, a very common New Testament picture of uh, the church. Uh, he was describing us as, as, as God's family. And this week he does the same, but he changes the uh, picture a bit. Uh, this week we're not just the family, uh, we are God's building or God's temple. Uh, those words that uh, Paul uses, that word um, edification, mutual edification, and then that second word uh, destroy in verse 20 are words that are straight from the language of the building site. They're construction words. Uh, the first, uh, edification, literally means to build up a house. That's the way it would be used in, 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 in the Greek. Uh, the second means to demolish one. It's what you'd use when you were demolishing uh, a house. It's a very vivid picture, isn't it? Uh, Paul is comparing the church. He's saying that we're like a building. We're God's building. Uh, Elsewhere, the Bible says that uh, the members of the church, uh, you and me, we're like living stones, we're joined together. Uh, Christ is our cornerstone. Uh, We're being built together to be a dwelling place for God by his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside every one of us who's been trusting in Christ. Uh, We are his temple, that's why we don't have a temple anymore, because we are the temple, the living temple, because the Holy Spirit dwells uh, inside each one of us. But Paul says that the, the, the way in which we react in regard to these secondary issues actually has the potential either to help build up God's uh, temple or tear it down. And he explains, doesn't he, in verse 20 about uh, what that looks, looks like. And he uses this food issue. He says, Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble it is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother to fall. Uh, Paul's already explained that under the new covenant, established at the cross by the Lord Jesus, uh, those old food laws that restricted God's people from eating certain foods have been fulfilled. Uh, He tells us all food is clean. It doesn't matter what you eat. There's nothing that we're forbidden from eating. And yet, he says, it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes another to stumble. It might be perfectly acceptable in God's sight for a Roman Christian to eat a bacon sandwich. It's fine, not a problem. Paul says even if that's the case, if it's harming someone who doesn't think that it's allowed, then it's demolishing God's building. It's tearing it down stone by stone, brick by brick. It's, it's ruining what God has built uh, through his Spirit, uh, through his Son on the cross. We are not to destroy God's hard work in building his church over food or any other secondary kind of issue. Instead, Paul says, it is much better to hold back from doing that thing which another Christian uh, thinks is wrong. Because then you avoid the possibility of falling out, calling uh, disunity, and the church family being damaged as a result. Faith is more than that. It's not just a negative thing, but it's it's a positive as well, isn't it? We go and go further. We are to work as hard as possible at encouraging peace and building one another up, growing stronger in faith, at trusting the Lord Jesus Christ more, becoming more and more conformed to His image. We are to build each other up, not tear each other down. I think one of nature's most uh, astonishing phenomenon is uh, the way that wild geese uh, travel over continents. You've probably seen this on various uh, you know, documentaries. They travel thousands and thousands of miles uh, each year. Uh, and the, how they do it has been a great fascination for scientists over the years. Uh, and as far as we can tell, the secret of how they're able to travel such long distances uh, lies in the fact that they do it together. Uh, they have a special formation that they fly in, and that formation causes uh, updrafts in the atmosphere, in the air, and it means that other, the, the birds can, uh, can work off each other and, and can travel uh, further distances than they could on their own. Apparently they also have this habit where they honk at each other, uh, which is a kind of way of encouraging each other to keep going, keep pushing on, and to, uh, to, to keep, uh, keep flying it seems to me we might have something to learn from those uh, geese, I think. It's not a very flattering portrait, is it? But, uh, but we might have something to learn from them. Because actually each of us needs the other to keep going as Christians. We need each other as a church family. You can't be a Christian on your own. You need the person sitting next to you. You need each other to keep going. We need each other to encourage us to keep building us up as Christians. Uh, so often it's much easier to tear each other down, to knock each other, uh, to tear, tear each other down, to, to destroy what God is building here at Holy Trinity. It might be thoughtless actions that we just don't think about what that might come across to another Christian. Maybe it's a careless word uh, that we just, we just toss it off and uh, we give no thought to it, but it ruins another Christian. Uh, I want to ask you this evening, what will it look like for you to make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. What would it look like for you to uh, make every effort to build up the body of Christ here at Holy Trinity? I don't know. Maybe it might be being more mindful of how other Christians might be hurt by what you say or what you do. Uh, Maybe it's simply uh, setting yourself to, to, to encourage people more. Uh, There are some brothers and sisters here who are wonderful encouragers. It's a great encouragement to know that they're praying, and and every so often they just drop in an encouraging word. It makes all the difference. Uh, Paul encourages us to build each other up, not tear each other down, and especially over these secondary issues. The third principle uh, that uh, we find in this passage is this. Paul says we are to keep our freedom... To ourselves. Keep our freedom to ourselves. And that's in verse 22 to 23. Uh, Paul starts to draw to a close, and I think he switches focus more to these stronger Christians who are are sure in their liberty in the gospel. Uh, They know full well that it's not a question of food or holy days uh, or any other secondary issue. Uh, They're not issues of great importance because the gospel of Jesus Christ has won us freedom uh, from those obligations. Paul says, Great, okay, that's fine. That's good. Uh, You're right. But he says, Let that freedom be something that you enjoy between yourself and God. Don't flaunt it in public. Don't undermine other brothers and sisters. Uh, Keep it to yourself, he says, verse 22. Whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Uh, There's no need to run that risk of causing other brothers and sisters to stumble. Uh, the stronger brothers and sisters simply can enjoy their freedom for themselves. It's a private issue between you and the Lord. Paul says they're, they're, they're blessed. Uh, blessed is the man or the woman who does not condemn themselves by what uh, he approves. It's great. It's a great thing to be able to enjoy gospel liberty uh, uh, that uh, Christ uh, won for us, uh, without the conscience condemning us. And yet, there's a warning as well, isn't there? And I wonder if you can see that in verse. At uh, twenty-three, uh, Paul says there's a warning about our weaker brothers and sisters that we should take notice of, and it's this: verse twenty-three. Uh, Those who are weak should take care not to override their conscience and do what they believe to be wrong. Verse twenty-three, Paul says, the man who has doubts is condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. Uh, why is it sin? Well, it's simply because they are, they, they, they're fearing, fearing uh, other brothers and sisters more than they are fearing God. Perhaps they might have a deep conviction over a disputed issue. They, they are firmly believed that the Bible teaches that they should not do a particular activity. Maybe they feel they're being put under pressure. They're, they're, they don't want to be in the minority of one. And so they give in and do uh, what their conscience tells them they shouldn't do. Uh, Paul says if you do that, if you go ahead and you ignore your convictions on an issue, then you're not acting in faith. You're dishonouring the Lord, because if you think that's what the Lord wants, to not do it is basically just sin, isn't it? It's to just go ahead, you're ignoring it. You're ignoring uh, what your conscience says. Uh, The Bible teaches us that each of us has a conscience. Uh, A conscience is is an inbuilt power of our minds to pass judgments on our actions. Uh, It's an awareness of right and wrong. But it's also an ability to be able to apply the Bible's laws and standards to the situations and the decisions that we have to make. Uh, Somebody's described it rather helpfully, I think, as God's voice in the soul. Now, we shouldn't treat our conscience as infallible. It's not. We're sinners. It's fallen. It's tainted uh, by sin like everything else uh, inside us. Uh, Only the Scriptures are our sure guide. It's the Scripture that we should turn to first for guidance on an issue. But that doesn't mean that our consciences are unimportant. They are important. Uh, Paul says here we should pay attention to our consciences. We shouldn't just quieten them or ignore them uh, if they are strong. If we believe in our hearts that certain behaviour is wrong in the sight of God, then we're to listen to our consciences and not do it. Uh, there's an old story that I came across this week of a um, young Christian who was working in the haberdashery section of a department store um, a long, long time ago, selling uh, silks, fine cloths, uh, to, uh, to people to make clothes from. And apparently his employer shows him a way to stretch out the silk, which would manage to increase the profits uh, for the department store. And it's told that the young Christian turned around and said, "No, Sir, your silk might stretch, but my conscience won't. Your silk might stretch, but my conscience won't. I think he'd understood this passage, hadn't he? He wasn't at liberty to go beyond his conscience. Paul says that if we're weak over an issue, if we feel very strongly about a question, we are to listen to our conscience and not to sin. But if we're strong, if we're strong in, in the gospel freedom, we're to keep that freedom to ourselves. We're to enjoy it, yes, but we're to enjoy it with the Lord. Uh, and avoid putting pressure on other brothers and sisters. Because Paul says, blessed is the one who doesn't condemn himself by what he approves. What should we have said at the start to Harold and Harvey, uh, who we were thinking about? What should we have said? I think Paul would have said to both of them, consider others before yourselves, other brothers and sisters. Uh, Work for their growth in Christ. Uh, Even if it means sitting lightly to issues of dress, even if it means curtailing our own gospel freedom. Because when we do that, actually that's imitating our Lord and Saviour, isn't it? Uh, We're told he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, and he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even the death on a cross. Let's pray, shall we, that he would help us by his spirit to follow his example and to make every effort to build one another up. Let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, these words are, are not easy. They don't immediately feel as though they have a great deal to say to us this evening. And yet we do trust that your scripture is God's word. And uh, it, uh, it does have things to spe- speak to us even today. And we do pray that we would uh, be those who are able to set aside our own, uh, our, our own particular uh, views on secondary issues. Uh, we pray that you would help us to avoid causing others to stumble, even inadvertently. Uh, we want to be those who build up, not tear down. Uh, please help us by your spirit. We know that it doesn't come easy to us. It's not natural. It's only a work of your spirit in our hearts. Uh, please help us to follow your example, to not stand on our rights, but to surrender them for the sake of others. Uh, in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please remain uh, sitting for our prayers? Thank you, Ben.